Good morning. We are in between Christmas and New Year's. This is this is one of those interesting weeks, right? It's just, it's like you've completed out everything in the whole year. Everything's done now. Now that Christmas is over, it's just seven days left till a New Year starts. It's just kind of like this in-between time, you know, where it's just kind of like, uh, all right, it's ready, you know? And it's just like, sometimes people prepare. They prepare, you know, New Year's resolutions, or sometimes they just wait till the next year happens. Um, but what's interesting, in our Vineyard Sermon Series, we are on the sermon today, Preparing for Harvest. This week is, is almost representative, illustratively, of what preparing for harvest looks like. The new harvest isn't there yet, but you've completed out all the growth aspect. So it's like this in-between factor. That's what, that's what this sermon is about. Years three through five in a vineyard is all about preparation. Last week we talked about pruning, and now it's preparation. It's preparing for the harvest to come. Preparing. Some very interesting things happen in, in years three through five that are outside of pruning, but more inside of the preparation. Did you know on branches, as they grow up and they're interlinked with each other and they're on the, the, the lines, do you know the fruit will grow, but typically it only yields about a third of what it normally would yield. It's a very small amount. It's only a, it's only a third because it has to test out the, the farmer, it has to test out the gravity of the, the branches, it has to sit there and withstand all this fruit that's going to happen. So it, for whatever reason, God built inside of vineyards and vines for it to start very small, to test the smallness so it could sustain the fullness. Likewise, we get that verse, if you're faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful in much. It's funny how God built that into a plant to illustrate to humanity what he's really doing. He's testing us out in the small things first. So on a vineyard, I looked up, what are things that you need to prepare for? What, what's, what are the different things that you need to set up? What are things that have to happen on a vineyard specifically in order to prepare for a harvest to come? Because that's what we have to do when we prepare to sustain a harvest. The first thing, it says, one of the most critical aspects in preparing for harvest, the farmer must, and they have to clean. They have to clean. Things have to be clean for the new wine to be received. Or what, what would happen? Just picture this with me. What would happen if you had a barrel full of, you just let it set out from the last harvest, and it's just those mold and guck, and you put the, the new wine into that? What, what would happen? I wouldn't want to drink that. That would be nasty. Right? That's gross. So many times, so many times we do those things. We have things in our life we just don't deal with, and we let it just sit there and, and fester, and we try to get the newness of God in to produce this next harvest, and we haven't dealt with the past harvest issues. So number one, cleaning before harvest. Genesis 35, 2 says, So Jacob said to his household, and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. If you know me, you know I love when they say to do three things because that's going to be a point. Put away four foreign gods who are among you, 
purify yourselves, and change your garments. A, habits. This is in regards to cleaning before a harvest. It is interesting because this, this parallels a lot of different ways here, or illustrates, I, w- I should say. Habits, habits. In a vineyard, practically speaking, did you know the farmer will bring on hired staff to take care of that yield? A farmer cannot do everything himself. Typically, you don't have like 400 square feet. You have acres and acres and acres, and you have to bring on people to help out. So what's going to happen if one of those workers has bad habits from past experience? It's not going to go well. Because everyone's going to be doing the same thing, and that one person has a bad habit. See, the farmer, the first aspect they have to do is take in the new workers and retrain habits. They always have the workshops. They always say, this is what we'll be doing. And you always get the one person's like, but in the past, this is what I did. Uh, Okay, awesome. Thanks for your volunteering advice, but let's move on. (laughs) It's like, this is what we're going to be doing right now. This is my harvest, my field. This is me. And you know what's interesting? So my wife, kind of segue and I'll come back. My wife tells me all the time, sometimes, sometimes all the time. Um, One thing thing I like to do is I like to almost preach in parable-like ways. I like to give, you know, illustrations. That's how God speaks to me and that's how I speak. And sometimes I'll say it, and my wife goes, you didn't explain it, and it just went over people's heads. It was very profound, but no one got it. I'm like, oh, you're so right. (laughs) So I want to dive into this one just a little bit more. Habits. Habits have to be cleaned out. How does that apply to us? Because in our past, we'll have experienced things. We saw fruit happen before. And we will want to take the same habit and method where we experience fruit and bring it to this season. Unfortunately, that means you're trying, to, you're trying to recreate something that happened in the past that gave fruit, but it's, then it stops becoming about the harvest and it starts becoming about your actions. Do you know, <clears throat> do you know why Jesus rarely healed the same way twice? Because he didn't want people to worship a habit. They wanted them to worship a God. If Jesus walked up to every single person, prayed the same prayer, put his hands on the same person, the exact same, you would have every single person doing that exact same three steps everywhere on this planet. And Jesus didn't want that. Because that is idolatry. When you are worshiping a method or a thing before God. So these workers, if you will, will come in with bad habits. They will come in with methods. They will come in with different things. And the farmer says, no, do it my way. This is what I want you to do. For us as Christians, as we are believers paralleling the life illustrated by a vineyard, when we come in from our past, we might have habits. We might say, you know what? I was at this one camp and I saw God move, so I think we should do the exact same thing. Well, I don't think that's for this harvest. Well, I think I saw God move. Well, I understand that there was a burn barrel and you guys threw stuff in and lit on fire, but we're not going to do that today. (laughs) Real things I've been asked, being a pastor. You know, 
It's not about the method. That, that's, that's when it becomes idolatry. You have stepped over lines saying, we need to do it this way because only God can move this way. Really? God is limited by a method that you saw 10 years ago? No. That's not how it works. We need to clean our habits. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, and he will do it any way he sees fit our habits. Love it. Sometimes our habits are killing our harvest. Because we're trying we're focusing more on the habit than focusing on God. B. The second biggest thing that a farmer has to clean is is the barrels. Kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. They put such a big emphasis on cleaning out barrels. Do you know there's this, there's this entire process. It's like one, can no, one cannot wash their barrel enough times. It's like wash it for five days straight. And if you want to, wash it for five more. It's like keep washing it. Just keep cleaning it. Keep purging it. And then it gets crazy because you have to fill it up and you pressurize it to see if there's any leaks. And you have to even take all the water out. And then you have to put this sulfur strip in there and let it burn. And it, you have to keep doing it every couple hours until it soaks up all the moisture out so it's prepared and ready to receive, there is a major emphasis on the barrel cleaning at a vineyard. The barrel represents us in this illustration. Are we willing to clean out and purge things in our life repeatedly? Saying, God, you know what? I'm dealing with this. Can you take it? <laughs> can, can you remove this from my life? Because I can't get into my next season until this is purged and cleaned. I, I, I can't deal with that. I, I can't move on. You can, but it's going to be nasty. You have a whole other problem later on. Don't allow yourself to move forward without purging things in your life. Barrels. It's kind of funny. Anyone can look at the outside of a barrel, but really only the farmer ever is the, is the only one that looks on the inside of the barrel, just like with our lives. Kind of crazy. On the outside of the barrel, the only time you're going to see something wrong is after the wine is already in it. Did you know that? When it springs a leak or all of a sudden it's discolored because you didn't, you didn't see that micro thing wrong with it. Because on the inside, it's really bad. And on the outside, you, you might not be able to see the stuff on the surface. That's how God works with us in our lives. We got to deal with the inside stuff and it will go to the outside. See. The third thing, the third thing that a farmer deals with after habits, after barrels, is equipment. 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 I mean, these are all logical things, right? It's like we go, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So many times people neglect to clean the equipment. Sometimes I neglect to clean my car tools. Okay, and the next time I go, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did change the oil with that. It's still on there. <laughs> you know, have you ever seen when tools just get left out, especially in Ventura? Have, have you ever seen when a, when a tool starts silver and it comes back a reddish orange? Yeah? The oxidation, the, the, the not taking care of equipment. 
and all of a sudden you're, you can't implement the fullness of the harvest through that equipment, it's just, it's bad. You're very limited at what you could do. So what's, what's the equipment? Breaking it down illustratively, equipment is where the, the grapes have been plucked and brought in to be processed. They could be refined, they could be crushed, they could be separated. That's, that's this time frame. In our religion, this represents the church. The church. The equipment is the church. We, we bring in souls from the harvest. Brand new, maybe not even off the vine. <laughs> yeah. But they're brought into the church to be worked with, to be processed, to be discipled to be crushed, even though that's, that sounds awful, but it's true. We go through discipleship because we have to go through and learn what God has for us. The equipment. Are we taking care of what God has given us? You know, it's, it's easy for our minds to start thinking, oh yeah, duh, I need to, I need to slap on a new coat of paint. Because that'll, 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 no, that's not, that's one part, one of hundreds. Is our equipment ready for the harvest to be received? Is our kids' ministry perfect in all the things we can make it perfect? Or have we neglected aspects? Is, there, is our worship all set? Or have we neglected aspects of that on a Sunday morning? Is, is everything, and, and I'm sorry if you're, if you're convicted. I'm convicted too in some areas. But is everything ready? Is our equipment ready to receive the harvest? And I'm not just talking about instruments. I'm talking about are our smiles on to say good morning to someone new that walks in through the door? Are we ready for that? Are we ready to follow up? Is our equipment jammed and stuck where we rely on one person to say, how you doing, rather than taking it upon ourselves to say, man, I haven't seen this person in a few weeks. Let me give him a call. No, that's someone else's job. No, it's not. The Holy Spirit just spoke to your heart. Reach out. We are the equipment that we need to reach out and prepare our, our church, our church, everything about it, the cleanliness, the paint, the receiving new people, the follow-up aspects. What area is God putting on our heart right now? Because guaranteed, that's one area that you need to start working on. As a pastor, I look out and I'm seeing, wow, we have like 700 different things that may be worked on in our church right now. And I'm praying that God puts something on your heart right now to start doing. Because I alone cannot do it all. We are a community. We need to work on our equipment. Number two, preparing for a harvest. The second most critical thing is the workers. I know we talked to work about workers a little bit, but that was more of the farmer bringing the workers in. But in, in preparation for a harvest, man, workers can make or break a harvest. I, I, I remember short story time. <laughs> uh, what was Mr. Rogers? What would you always do? Like that sound would happen, and then all of a like the train, the trolley would come in, and then there's like a story. Um, my mind just went way far, but I'm coming back. <laughs> I remember my, uh, my house. Um, that we grew up in, it was it was on this rolling mountain, right? And our house was at the at the crest of this one aspect. 
and sat there, and my window is right here, and it overlooked this rolling vineyard, this grape vineyard, and they, they had wine presses, all this kind of stuff. Do you remember seeing that? It was gorgeous. In my head as a kid, I was like, oh, everyone grows up like this. And then later on, I was like, oh, that, I took it for granted. And it was one of the most gorgeous views. I remember one time, my, my dad received a call, and he's like, oh, I'll send them over. Yeah, yeah, I'll send them over right now. The, the vineyard, the guy who owned the vineyard, his workers canceled out last minute. And he's like, I, I, I got to have someone. So he's like, last resort. He's like, I'm going to call the Russell boys. So we all ran down, hopped the fence, and just did whatever he asked for for the entire day. And then he's like, you'll be back tomorrow. And I was like, is that a question? Or did I just get told? <laughs> but it's summertime, and so you know, we kept coming back until his workers were able to come back. It's craziness. Workers are so important to a harvest because the farmer, if he steps out of doing everything he needs to do to do the, the, the monotonous aspects and the tiny details, the harvest will be pointless. He needs to orchestrate all the timing and the ordering and everything. The workers need to take care of this. So, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out. Everyone say send out. That's the key word there. Send out workers into the harvest field. Finding workers is easy, but Jesus said send out workers. I like thinking about this verse a lot because the workers are already gathered there. They're in. And Jesus is saying, send them out. They're already there. They're already inside. But he uses a very specific word saying, send out. Meaning from the inside, cooped up, to the outside where they're needed. I, I really want to implore, I don't think this scripture was just talking to a few disciples at that time and era, but through all of time, because I think as believers, it's easy for us to step inside, find our comfort zone, and stay there. Because going out to work is hard. That was some of the hardest work when I was in that vineyard. I still remember that, and I still reflect back going, I haven't had a job that hard since. And I was way too young to be working in a field. <laughs> It was crazy. Jesus said, send out the workers into his harvest field. Becoming a worker. Jesus doesn't have a storehouse of workers that aren't us. We are it. Let's get this across. Let's agree. We are the workers of the kingdom of God. There's not some, I don't know. There's not just some warehouse of people sitting around waiting for us to say, okay, we have a harvest in Ventura. Can you come on over here now? Thank you. No, we are it. We are the workers of this area. 
So become a worker. A, do what you're supposed to do. It's the most straightforward point. That point really doesn't need explanation. When God calls you to do something, you will feel it in your heart and you'll feel a conviction. And when you, feel, when you think to yourself, I don't know if that's God or me, and then you, you decide not to do it, but then you feel guilty afterwards, that was God. Okay, let's just, let's just get that out of the way. God speaks to us. The difference is, do you accept that it's God or not? God is speaking to you. Do what you're supposed to do. I'm sorry, I can't elaborate more on that point. It's so, it's, that's it. B, when you're supposed to be doing it. It's a two-parter. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. I don't know if you've ever felt that guilt of feeling like you're supposed to do something and then later on you realize you can't go back and do it ever again and you're like, ah. The worst is when you feel God say, I need you to go pray for that person right now. And you're like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get, no, 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 right now. I'll get to it, God. No, right now. And then you get the call, they pass away. And you're like, oh, I see. I got it. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. How many random times I felt, you know, I need to walk over and pray with someone. Like, you know, I'll, my wife and I'll be walking. Sometimes it's just in my head, and sometimes, like, I need to step up and talk to that person. Yeah, they freak out, but then later on, they start crying. That's it. Because <laughs> they're like, they're like, you're weird. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> do what you're supposed to do. Becoming a worker is doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And then see, Jesus says, pray for more workers to be sent out. This last one is often missed. And this last one will save you so much emotions, so much hurt, so much frustration. Do you know how many times? I, I, I'm young, I know. I've been in the church a while. I've heard in almost every church, well, I don't think people are going to serve here this time. And it's always going to be the same people. And we need to pray for people to be sent out. We need to pray for people to start getting convicted and start crying in their pillow, okay? <laughs> pray for more workers to be sent out. Because when we're praying like that, our heart won't grow hard towards the people we're supposed to be ministering to. You know what the beauty of this image is? As workers, or as workers, as us, as we are serving where we're supposed to be serving, when we're supposed to be serving, as we're tending to the harvest, the fruit is happening. You know what's interesting? The beauty of it all? As we're tending to these grapes that represent souls, we take them, we pluck them off, we're, we're watching, we're making sure the bugs don't eat them away and they're destroyed, and I can't get into all of that right now. But as we take off these grapes and we hand them into the carts and they're taken up, they're processed, their souls are converted, they're discipled, and then they're sent back out. 
the very grapes you're serving become the very people serving next to you next season. But when you have a bitter heart and you're grumbling, you know what's interesting? When we're sitting there, our grumbling will prevent that grape from coming back out. When we have a bad attitude and when, when we're sitting there the way we're sitting there, the fruit will go in, but will be resistant to come back out. But when we're sitting there in prayer saying, God, send out workers, send out workers, send out workers, the souls that are processed go, I need to be a worker too. It, it drastically changes. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and keep praying for more workers to be sent. Number three is scheduling. Scheduling. The farmer in a vineyard the reason why he's on top or she's on top is because they schedule. They're saying this is when this is going to happen and this is when that's going to happen. They're, they're in charge of all the time frames and all the timelines and everything that happens. It's critical in a vineyard. You know, I, I was watching a documentary on a vineyard and they were saying that if it rains and you harvest Within two weeks after a rain, all those grapes will be useless because the water is soaked up into the grapes and they're so diluted, you can't use them for the vintage they're supposed to be used for. So you have to sell them as a discount whatever to some other agency that will do whatever they want with them. They're, they're wasted. Your time frame has to be precise. It's It's crazy. If you, if you harvest them too late, the wine won't sell due to flavor and, and the vintage is off. There are things, there are things in our harvest that will fail if we prevent, if we do not plan, if we do not schedule. What am I getting at on this point, number three? There are things in our lives we need to schedule. In order to prepare for the harvest that's coming, I need you to schedule things in your life. A, pre-prayer. I didn't say that wrong. I made up a word. <laughs> Not prepare, pre-prayer. I liked it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> what do I mean by this? Anytime there's a possibility of harvest, you pray ahead of time. Harvest is everywhere according to Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. So if the harvest is plentiful and the harvest is everywhere and there's always grapes happening and someone planted a seed at one point, you could be walking into a situation where someone planted a seed 10 years ahead of time and right now it's the moment to be pulled from the harvest. But you might not know it's there. So why, how, how do you know? Because you prepare. Before you go shopping, before you go to work, anytime you go anywhere, say, God, I love you today. Thank you for, for, for speaking into my life. 
if you happen to send a divine encounter at this moment, make sure my heart is ready and my soul knows it. Do you know how many times those simple little prayers God will see? Do you know, you know how God responds to that? Because he, he in, in his mind, he says, they are ready to be a, a worker in my field. I can trust them with this harvest. I, I have aligned, I can only imagine how brilliant God is aligning tens and twenties and thirty years for each individual person. Planting a seed here, planting a seed here, planting a seed, lining up to this one moment in a grocery store where we could or could not take it for granted. It might just be up to you to close that entire timeline off for Jesus. And it's so critical that you just pray, pray beforehand. Anytime you go somewhere, I just want to challenge you. We'll come back to this um, another time. Job 22, 27 says this, You will pray to him, and he will hear you, and you will fulfill your vows to him. Is that fitting or what? You will pray to him, and he will hear you, and you will fulfill your vows to him. Our vow as a Christian is serious. Trust in you, God. I believe in you. That you died and rose again. That they were harvesters in this field. It's our vows to the kingdom of God. Scheduling. B is plan for God. Plan for God. Plan for God. Plan for God. Do you know how many believers and how many Christians do not plan for God? Everything else comes their way. And then sometimes whatever's left over goes to God. Don't do that. Please, <laughs> don't do that. Because when we don't do that, we're not scheduling time for the harvest that's all around us. God wants to speak to you and speak to me all the time. But you got to plan for it. You got to allow time in your schedule to hear from God. You got to allow time in your schedule to, to just be silent. Be quiet before God. And don't, oh, please don't miss the understanding of this point. When we plan for God, we allow him to speak to us, but we also allow for divine encounters for the harvest. It's not good enough to say, God, I don't want you to speak to me. Thanks, see you later, bye. That's, that's kind of like a, that's almost like Santa Claus genie in a bottle kind of thing. I just want to hear from you. Okay, I got what I needed, see ya. No, it's, we're developing a life with God. Matthew 61, or I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's so funny because the enemy wants you to seek after all your needs on your own. 
saying, okay, I need to spend so much time doing this, and I need to do this, and I need to pick up this extra shift because I need to get this taken care of. And, and we're so wrapped up in doing all the things ourselves to fulfill all of our own needs, when in reality God's saying, come to me, please. I can fulfill your needs. I will open up new avenues. But don't allow these things to become idolatry. It's not about the stuffs. It's about me. Do you know when, when Moses pulled the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, the great Charlton Heston movie? Um, you see it every Easter. It's always on. The Ten Commandments. You know, part of the sea and the great 3D effects happen. Do you know the, the line that God says to Moses, my favorite part about that? Is we, we always catch on to, he will, I'm giving them a land flowing of milk and honey. It's all the gifts. But in reality, God says, bring them to me on this mountain first. God wanted relationship with them. And the gifts were secondary. Lastly, scheduling, in scheduling, C is reflection, then progression. Reflection, then progression. Reflection, then progression. The last aspect of preparing for harvest within the scheduling category is reflect on the past, be encouraged, and now move forward. Don't get stuck in your past. Don't allow your past to stop you, hinder you, make you discouraged, but reflect on it and get encouraged and excited because a new season is coming. That's what this is about. You need to schedule time to let past go and let future happen. Let that be this week for you guys. As, as Christmas is wrapped up and as New Year's is he- coming forward, don't waste this week. Don't waste this two days. <laughs> We're already done with the week. God, this, this year, we saw some great things. We saw some whatever kind of things, however you want to say it to God. I reflect on it, but I'm moving forward, and I'm not going to drag 2018 into 2019 because it doesn't need to be there. I'm moving forward. Schedule some alone time with God to let go of your past and grab onto your future because the harvest is plentiful, and I don't want to see the workers be few anymore. Let's close our eyes. Lord, as as this was the last sermon that I will preach in this year, 2018, let it be cemented in our hearts. Let us understand that we are the workers, that you are the farmer, and that you're building us up. Let us be encouraged that new harvest is coming. Let us be encouraged that freshness is happening. God, we're excited for 2019. Lord, you've already started ministering to us individually and also corporately. God, as we enter into this new season with new vision for our church even, I pray hearts to be open and excited and ready for this harvest. Lord, if, if any of us here are sitting back and waiting for something to happen, remind us today, convict us that we are part of this movement. In your mighty name, amen.
Amen.